0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Good evening Welcome to Totally Whole Blog Talk Radio Where I am your host, Dr. Rosemary Cook Better known as Dr. Rose. I'm so glad that you could tune in tonight for this very, very serious topic that of domestic violence. This month is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which is a form of domestic violence. But tonight, I just want to get up close and personal to talk about this issue that affects. A large portion of our community, domestic violence is more prevalent than we would think. We have a very special guest tonight, Dr. Patty Fitzhugh, and she's been on the show before. Dr. Fitzhugh is the founder and CEO of It's a New Day Midlife Resource Center and It's a New Day Ministries. Dr. Patty also is the host of two talk shows one called Morning Coffee and the second show called Managing Midlife. She's also the author of the book titled The Move Memoirs of a Midlife Crisis, which will be released this spring. So I'm going to bring Dr. Patty in in just a moment but I want to just talk a little bit about this topic of domestic violence so what is domestic violence it is a pattern of behavior that's used to establish power and control over another person usually through fear and intimidation using threats or violence We've probably heard other terms for domestic violence, which includes intimate partner violence, or battering, or relationship abuse, spousal abuse, or even family violence. Domestic violence happens against men and women. One in four women will experience domestic violence during her lifetime, and men are victims of nearly three million physical assaults in the United States. So, I want to shed some light on this very serious issue that affects our community. It happens in our homes. It happens within the walls of our churches. But are we really talking about it? As the CEO of a mental health clinic, I see many women who come into the clinic who have been victims of domestic violence, and their children often witness these acts of violence. So children are affected as well, and many Children as well as these adults develop symptoms, and we'll talk about that a little later. But I want to invite uh, Dr. Patty Fitzhugh to uh, enter into the studio. Uh, I think I see her on the line if she if you can hit one, then I can uh, invite you into the studio. Dr. Patty, are you there?
2: I am here.
1: Hello. Welcome once again to Totally Whole. Thank you so much for taking the time out to, to co-host with me. So we're talking tonight about domestic violence. We're breaking the silence tonight. So tell us a little bit about the work that you do uh, in the community as it relates to this topic.
2: Uh, well, Rose, I started volunteering um, Probably back in October of uh, twenty. Let's see, this is 2016, 2015 for a local agency uh, here. I'm in North Carolina, and um, that is the uh, primary provider uh, for Orange County uh, as it relates to dealing with or working with victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, uh, and rape and um, and also providing self sufficiency services for uh, individuals here uh, in the state of North Carolina and I took on uh, this um, really took on volunteering as a as a way to raise awareness number one about domestic violence and to really begin to be become more vocal about a very uh sensitive topic that has uh been so so overlooked and so hushed over for for uh, any number of reasons uh, not just in the African American community but in the community at large and so my role as a community educator is to go into churches and into community groups, into schools, and to really begin to spark the conversation about what is domestic violence, um, because some people may not even know that they're in a uh, uh, what would be considered a violent uh, or unhealthy type of relationship, and, uh, and, and that may be surprising to some, but for many, uh, that could be due to cultural norms, uh, the roles that women traditionally play uh, amongst various ethnicities and cultures uh, where violence uh, and dominance uh, of, of women or individuals is the norm, and so they don't know because that's how they've been taught. That's how they've been trained their whole life uh, until they're taught otherwise. And so I took this up and said, uh, because I was a victim, number one, of uh, being sexually, uh, being molested, number one, as a child, and so I said, okay, well, you know, we need to have a voice about that as well, because this month is not just Sexual Assault Awareness Month. It's also Child Abuse Prevention month and awareness about child abuse um, and so those things go hand in hand and I've gone out now to the community to begin to spark the conversation to begin to have a very uh, what may be deemed as a very difficult conversation and educate people about domestic violence about what may be going on in the homes and what does domestic violence look like um, because yeah, you make it, a good doctor, yeah.
1: because I, you know, I when I counsel women and they tell me about you know how they're feeling and you know they talk about maybe uh, depression or maybe some types of anxiety and then when I ask them a question about have you experienced any type of trauma, they really say no. So, so can you? Educate us on what is domestic violence, what uh, constitutes domestic violence, because um, many people present with symptoms and don't even realize that they're, you know, uh, being faced with domestic violence within their, their homes or within their intimate partner relationships.
2: And in, in, in their space, we have something that's called a power and control wheel, and it talks about um different types of violence and what would be deemed as abusive behaviors by a person who we can identify as a uh, a perpetrator and Um, It's not just the physical part, uh, component of being hit. That's one aspect. And, And we have, you know, the battered woman or battered spouse or battered person syndrome where they're being physically beaten or physically abused. But domestic violence can also show itself in emotional abuse. Um, You know, putting a person down and, you know, uh, uh, verbally abusing them and, uh, you know, playing mind games uh, uh, with someone. There's a term they call it gaslighting, Uh, you know, making someone uh, feel humiliated or, or guilty or telling them, you know, you're ugly or nobody wants you or nobody's ever, or you're stupid or, you know, verbally putting someone down and uh um dehumanizing them and minimizing them, that's abuse. That that is abuse when someone is constantly told that you nobody's gonna love you, nobody's ever gonna want you. That's abuse. Um intimidation is is a form of abuse and, you know, that can come in in many ways, um, where a person may not hit the individual physically, but maybe they punch a hole in the wall, or they slam their fist down on the table, or they they use demonstrative actions that would instill fear in the person or uh, of the individual. They may use weapons and, you know, uh, do Russian roulette or, you know, take use other forms of weaponry to threaten a person or to instill fear in them. That's a form of, that's, that's abuse that's a form of abuse um uh economic abuse economic abuse many people may not know this you know if you're in a relationship where your spouse and and this goes both ways so i don't just say it in terms of of male to female because this can go female to male as well where Um, one person maybe is the stay-at-home, say, spouse and doesn't work and uh, keeps the home as the homemaker, and the other person uh, is the breadwinner, but they withhold money from them or they withhold finances uh, from them or they don't allow them to have access to finances or maybe they give them a a very minimal allowance to do anything and, and continue to keep them. Uh, bound and and in a cycle so that they have no way of supporting themselves if they wanted to do different and if your uh Uh, Combining that with mental and emotional abuse and intimidation and so forth, that can, again, be dehumanizing to a person and make them feel like, well, I can't do anything. I can't be anything. I can never leave this situation because what would I do? Where would I go? How would I support myself using intimidation and economic abuse? Um, uh, Another way, Dr. Rose, is, you know, using uh, uh, the children um as a way to uh relay messages uh back and forth um between people or um using uh threatening to take the children away if you leave or or you're not going to you're not going to get the children because I'm going to keep them that's another way of, that's that's a form of abuse and um, you know, coercion, threatening, or making uh, someone do things that they don't uh, want to do. Or if you leave, I'm going to kill myself. I can't. You know, the, these are all tactics that are abusive. And they're mentally, physically, and emotionally denigrating and manipulative to that victim or to that person. And that's what keeps them bound in a cycle. And if they don't know any different, because maybe they grew up in a house where, you know, the dad always screamed at the mother, and so, you know, that's how it's supposed to be, or, you know, this is how... My life has been, because this is all I've seen, or um, if there was alcohol or drug abuse or other things in the home or hitting or, you know, slamming things or what we call is quote-unquote drama, um, and that was the normal, then the person may not even know that they're in an abusive relationship. And that's scary.
1: Yes. Let me pause you for a second because you said a mouthful right there. (laughs) You know we need to just digest what you've just said because that's huge. And some of the people that I talk to, they often uh, end up talking about, you know. Sometimes I think I'm crazy. You know, my partner, you know, makes me think that I'm crazy. And I know I heard what I heard, or I saw what I saw, or I felt what I felt. So another term that I've heard is crazy making. So, yeah. so are you saying that the these behaviors are not evidence of some type of illness, that it's a it's a pattern. Can you say a little bit about that? Because I you know, I've heard some people uh refer to their spouse or their mate. They have anger management issues or you know, they have uh, bipolar or maybe they have mood swings. So can you differentiate between this pattern that you're talking about and whether, you know, domestic violence is uh, the evidence of some mental illness?
2: Well, I'll just say it like this. There has been research um on the, what exactly what you're talking about to see is there a connection uh between uh you know cause and effect so because he or she is bipolar um and they they experience mental illness you know is that give them does that give them justification though to be abusive to hit to, you know, to do those types of things. Um, uh, Some people may say, well, you know, he or she drinks and when they get the alcohol in them it's the alcohol that you know or the drugs that that makes them abusive because other than uh, that you know they're really a good person inside it's just when they get that, that few drinks or get high and and that turns them into so then that does that then mean that uh uh, uh the alcohol is is driving the abuse um and and what most have said, Doctor Rose, is that the, the 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 cause and effect I'll say hypothesis is is debunked and that um yes there may be mental illness. There may be anger. Um, there may be uh, uh, some other things that are quote unquote uh, s- symptoms, or maybe adding to exacerbate the situation and the abuse. But is that the root cause of the abuse? And and most would say no. That um, those things are myths and are not uh, the causes. Um, of why a person uh, uh, behaves, it may be symptoms of the, causing them to do some of the things they do in their behavior, but the why in terms of a perpetrator, um, it's more tied to power, the, the need for power and having control. And Um, You could probably go deeper into the psychological uh, aspects of of that, what necessitates that, what uh, uh, may cause that in a a perpetrator um, to make them to respond that way and and to treat another human being in that manner.
1: Yeah, what what I have found and I have seen is that those who have this – strong need for power and control often feel very inadequate, have very low self-esteem. These are people who in some settings feel that they lack power, so they come home uh, into the, the home front and exert this power over their spouse or their mate or significant other. So we find that individuals who batter are individuals who have a very uh, poor self-esteem. To the contrary, some present as if they're strong and powerful and even, you know, quite narcissistic. But, however, there is this underlying sense of uh, intimidation, uh, this sense of inadequacy in general in society, you know, in their Station in life, so they feel the need to exert power in areas where they feel they can get away with it. Because the truth is, you have batterers who uh, go on the job, and they don't batter their supervisors, you know. Correct. They're in churches. They're sitting in the pews. They don't show these behaviors to uh the pastors or the leaders, so so it's a very strategic uh, type of behavior where they exert power where they feel they can uh, get away with it and they have the victim who uh, does not resist. So that's what I have seen uh, in my work dealing yeah. with
2: and and utilizing uh, the the fear and the intimidate you know intimidation. Um to feed that uh to feed that behavior and, and so that's why I you know stress that you know that while they may you know use other things like drugs or alcohol or whatever um uh you know and people may think that that's a cause and effect, and no it goes deeper it goes deeper than that uh even uh if you if if you speak to s- some uh, who um, work with this clientele on a day to day you know they would even uh, say that uh they would find it very difficult to believe that a perpetrator uh, could ever be 100% cured from um you know f- from that type of behavior um we know as uh, uh you know Christians and the basis of our belief that all things are possible with God uh but there are some that don't truly believe that, even with help, even with uh, counseling, and so forth, that uh, that perpetrator will ever fully be re- may ever fully be resolved of that.
1: And 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 I believe that these behaviors are so deeply ingrained, you know, it's learned behavior, like you mentioned earlier, from culture. You know, um, um, intergenerational violence yeah. This deep-seated uh, need for power and control Unless perpetrators are able to, to see these behaviors And look at it in the entire context of their belief system And their, uh, their views on those who are powerless Uh, in many cases, uh, women, those who don't have as much power and authority, you know, in society as a whole, there is that internal change uh, where they can truly see their behaviors and take responsibility because we know that many abusers often blame their victims saying, you made me do this. If you weren't so such and such, then I would not have done that, and we know that, you know, that's just not true. You know, many uh, perpetrators don't accept responsibility, and therefore many victims assume that, well, if I'm more of this or less of that, you know, if I change my ways, if I change the way I interact with him or her, then maybe I can avoid these blows.
2: Right. And And that's so far from the truth, or the victim will um you know take responsibility for the actions of the perpetrator it was my fault i provoked this or i provoked that or i did this or i did that to make that individual respond in uh in that way and that's why it's so important for us to have these discussions And bring it to the surface and talk about it because you mentioned intergenerational abuse where it has been kept behind closed doors and not talked about for, you know, like I said, a number of shame and. Uh, you know bringing a disgrace to a family and uh, people just not comfortable um, people feeling like no one will believe me if I shared that this was happening uh, in my home or these things were being done to me and and but now more than ever what I find has happened is that it's kind of like a cancer. It's just metastasized into uh our society and created so many ills. Mm-hmm. And because it has not been talked about, because we have kept it in the dark, because we have been ashamed about it, swept it under the carpet, and so forth. And let me just say this, domestic violence has no respect of persons. It doesn't matter what race, religion, creed, ethnicity, uh, uh, class, or status, it affects all people at all levels, which you know, this lets us know it's a human thing. It's it's not oh, well, this person is of this stature and and that stature. No, Mm-mm. right. Mm-mm.
1: It's not Mm-mm. something that happens to uh, people of color or people who live in poverty, which you know is it's a myth that many people believe that it only happens to certain people, people who might not be educated. So I'm glad you you talked about, you know, uh, how widespread this uh, situation is. Anybody can be a victim of domestic violence, you know, and the key is being educated, understanding what domestic violence is, what behaviors constitute domestic violence. Uh, One of the things... I want to just uh, interject and say is that you know people will often come to me and then they mention that you know I've been feeling you know just kind of down or you know I, I have been having dreams or uh, either they would say I can't can't sleep at night and uh, so often th- there's not always that connection that what's happening in my relationship uh, is really showing itself in my inability to sleep or feeling
0: depressed
1: or even just feeling angry. You know, people come with intense anger, uh, disproportionate anger, or they'll say I have mood swings, or, or they might feel this sense of fear. And so it's important that we educate people that domestic violence definitely can present itself with mental health uh, symptoms.
2: Yes. Oh, so yes. there's a and direct I, connection. Go yes. ahead, Dr. Yes. No, mm-hmm. I was saying yes, I, I absolutely agree, because sometimes people don't understand um you know, why am I experiencing this? Why can't I you know, why can't I sleep at night? Why am I restless? Or, you know, why do I have these migraines? Why am I having these headaches? Or, um, you know, I just feel really blue and, you know, I can't seem to get myself up or um and and it it, it covers a wide array uh, of symptoms, um, because, you know, different people are affected different ways. I was uh, afforded an opportunity, Dr. Rose, uh, several weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, to speak to uh, a group of uh, first-year medical students at Duke University uh, as it related to domestic violence and what the medical profession uh, could do on their side to begin to identify Uh, some of the signs and symptoms that uh, when someone comes into their office for, say, a physical exam or to be treated for, you know, whatever the symptoms may be, how can they begin to uh, bridge that conversation to ascertain uh, whether or not there may be some form of abuse uh, going Mm -hmm. on uh, uh, in that, you know, in that home? And of course, it's not an easy conversation uh, because you know no one wants to consider or think of themselves as being in an abusive relationship uh, of of any form. Uh, however, uh, when you when you see recurring things, um, you know that are not as easily identifiable. When you see a black eye, you know you know someone's been hit. But right. when they're internally emotional bruises and scars those are not so easily identifiable but the body still responds it just responds differently (laughs)
1: exactly you know so that dispels that adage sticks and stones may break my bones but words won't will never hurt you know that's so inaccurate because the physical body can heal But when you have mental scars, these scars can last a lifetime, you know, as with violence when there's the verbal abuse, the name-calling, the intimidation, and just all of those other behaviors that you you mentioned uh, as it relates to uh, emotional and verbal abuse. So those scars, you know, they're on the inside and often manifest itself Through uh, mental health issues, uh, depression, uh, PTSD, which a lot of people don't make the connection because with PTSD, you know, we've always thought that you develop PTSD because you've been in war, you know, you've been exposed to uh, military uh, fighting. However, you can experience PTSD as a result of being in a domestically violent relationship and even, you know, in our communities where there's violence, uh, yeah. we have individuals present with symptoms of PTSD which includes the depression and the anxiety and the problems with sleeping and just what we call hypervigilance, always looking over your shoulder, thinking that, you know, someone is, is out to get you or somebody is watching you. So you can never rest. There's always this restlessness and feeling that you have to be on guard. And, you know, we used to call it paranoia, but and that is, yeah. you know, one of the symptoms of uh, PTSD and there's a whole host of other symptom eating disorders. Some people develop these eating disorders as a way of coping, you know, with the, the trauma that they have experienced. So, you know, it's really important, as you talked about talking to the medical students, that in primary care settings that yeah. doctors are, uh, you know, seeing behaviors and seeing these Symptoms, physical symptoms, and you know, asking questions and making that connection to refer, uh, because in, in mental health, you know, there's the integration with uh, primary care and mental health, so that you know we can address some of these problems and uh, work together collaboratively to get people the treatment that they need.
2: So, yeah, and it it, it and it goes. Gold- you know, hand-in-hand um, you know through the, the the medical and even through the administering of medication, and what I tell people is that you know even if the the your medical doctor gives you some medication in order to maybe help you to sleep or to manage some of the mood swings or the hormonal uh, activity to regulate your hormones uh, and those levels to get you evened off, you still have to go to the mental health community to begin to exercise the issues that are that are at hand. And one of the things that I told the medical doctors is that sometimes you have to use uh, various ways to be able to draw information out of people. So, for example, Dr. Rose, you know, if, if I ask somebody, you know, well, are you in an abusive relationship, you know, they may not necessarily say yes. But if I say, you know, what's going on in your home life, you know, how how are things at home, what's happening, that may open up to, well, you know, uh, my spouse has lost lost their job and uh, they've been very angry about that. Or, you know, that may open up the conversation to begin to allow that uh, physician to then get a little bit more perspective and insight in what to ask and then be able to further refer and direct them, you know, to the mental health community, to the therapists, to the counselors, to be able to help them uh, in that regard and and working in tandem together. And I think that's so uh, uh, important because you mentioned that a lot of people come in and they say, uh, you know, I'm losing my mind. I'm going crazy. Um, I know that these things are being done to me, but I'm being told, you know, the exact opposite. Um, I can remember my most liberating moment was when I sat in my first domestic violence orientation, and everything that I had said, and I described what was being done to me, but because I had no one to validate me, Dr. Rose, I felt like I'm out of my mind. I I, I am losing, I am literally losing my mind. Like, it, it could be institutionalized because I can't get the validation and I'm being told, no, that didn't happen. No, that's not what you experienced.
1: And how many out
2: there are going through that?
1: Oh my goodness. You you definitely are striking a chord with that one because I can recall just, you know, feeling like is something wrong with me? You know, and am, 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 am I not seeing, am I not hearing properly? Uh, you know, which yeah you're always told that you're the problem and something wrong with you. But, you know, there was a website that I went to and The website was called youarenotcrazy.com. So, you know, thank God that he has a way of bringing us truth. He will not leave us in the dark. You know, he said, I will not have you to be ignorant of Satan's devices. So when you are a child of God and you're seeking truth and you're walking, you know, in truth, God will reveal to you exactly what's happening. So God is just an awesome God, and he desires that we all, you know, walk in liberty in Christ and not, you know, be held prisoner in your home or in your own mind feel like you're a prisoner. So we thank God for for just revelation and truth. So I want to segue into the discussion about church and and faith, and, and we know that, You know, domestic violence is happening uh, in the pews and also in the pulpit. So let's kind of bring it home to many of our believers who are uh, believers in Christ. What is the response of the faith community? What, you know, have you experienced uh, being clergy and, you know, also community educator? And uh, so you, you know, you interact with faith communities, and you've been a a, a woman of God. Um, You are a woman of God, but, you know, a preacher of the gospel. Tell me about what has been your experience in working with the churches or uh, people who are of faith who have been uh, victims of domestic violence.
2: There's a huge element of denial. There is a huge element of Misinformation in the church, or misutilization of the Word of God, as it relates to uh, relationships and marriage, and the acceptance of, uh, of violence in in uh, you know taking God's word, well, wives should be submissive to their husbands. But submissive does that mean not mean he gets to beat me? Submissive does not mean that. And so when the Word of God is Taken and mishandled and used as a means to manipulate uh, 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 people in in the church and in communities and and there are churches and people that believe you know uh, uh, this um, that's wrong and 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 I feel like the church uh, has swept it under the carpet and and I will say this in terms. Of uh, because I work with preachers and I work with high level people in the church, that doesn't make it right or justified from anybody else. But I find that in the church, many pastors' wives are living under the thumb of abuse and violence in the home. And and they're coming to church every Sunday decked out, dressed to kill. Hmm. But when they go home, they are uh, being physically abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused, and I call it the secret society of pastor's wives. I call it it, it, like the fraternal order of police as they have their secret society of what they do, the preacher's wives. And spouses, there's a secret society in the church, and they keep it under wraps with each other. It's just like military wives or, or any other group where you're experiencing certain things and you keep it clicked together to be silent about it because if if anybody knew that Bishop so-and-so was beating me, oh, my goodness, first of, mm. of all, they wouldn't believe me, you know. And that's right. what the church Done. So we have women and men sitting in the pews week after week after week in what I call enslaved bondage to abuse, and they dressing it up, and I don't care what you say, you can call it what you want to say, when the title comes off and everybody goes home, that's Billy, that's Bob, that's Sue, that's Jane, and it's wrong. And, and God is not the author of abuse. It is not ordained anywhere in the Bible in no form or fashion. And and twisting and manipulating the word of God uh, to justify that behavior, uh, I, I would not in any circumstances uh, uh, do I agree with it. And that has been my experience, and that has been to the level that I have to you know, deal with things um in the mm-hmm. church and and then bringing counsel to wives who have to figure out how do i have how do I get an escape plan? How do I just leave all of this behind and leave my house with the clothes on my back and grab my children from school and run for my life, run for the hills um because of what I'm dealing with. When do I get to that point to have now, the what courage I, to...
1: Uh, Dr. Patty, uh, yes. what I have found is that there is this internal conflict that many uh, Christians have as it relates to divorce. Because I've heard yes. uh, people say, but, you know, I made these vials, you know, to death do we part. And what is God going to say if I leave my marriage? And then when the spouse is is using the Bible as a means, you know, to control, uh, saying that, well, if you leave, you've broken your vows, you know, you said you love me. So I have seen this internal conflict where people, they know that they are being abused and still feel that they don't have the freedom or the release. To leave They might say, "Well, I'm waiting on God to give me the release to walk out." So have you encountered that, and what would you say uh, to people who are in abusive relationships and who really want to leave, but they feel bound because of their religious beliefs as it relates to uh, divorce or leaving a spouse?
2: What, what I say to that, not just in, in, in uh, those who are in the church who are bound to the Christian faith, um, but, but what I say to any person, uh, because a lot of times the question comes, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just pack your stuff and, and go? But it's more than that, um, because there are entanglements. There are there are love ties, there are soul ties. Uh, there is a highly emotional. There's so many things involved in that, um, and and so. But the one thing that comes to my mind, Dr. Rose, is that uh, the Bible says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, and 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 that right there, to me. Speaks volumes because we do not serve a god of abuse. We do not serve a god that would treat us anything less than a human being, uh, or, or to denigrate us, or to uh, put us in, in any kind of way uh, of harm and manipulation, and in some uh, and in some relationships, uh, death. Because yeah, I mean, in some. It has resulted in death. We don't serve that kind of God, and so I believe that the Word of God gives us leeway in certain situations to be able to have, there is space for divorce. And it's not a one-size-fits-all scenario, it doesn't go across the board, but what I say to people is that, you know, you have to exercise judgment, and you really have to take it and peel it off to see it for what it really is, and 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 I in no way can justify say that's of God, no way, sexual abuse in marriage, people may not think it can happen, it can happen, physical abuse, all those levels of abuse, that is not of God. That is not a healthy relationship, and that is certainly not a healthy uh, uh, marriage. And so, therefore, in my mind, well, there's some unequally yoked here because, you know, if this was of God, the the ways of God manifest the fruit of his spirit. And when that's not evidenced, in a relationship in a godly relation where there's two Christian people who say we believe this and we're not seeing the evidence of that then that's problematic. Yeah. I'm not talking yeah. about personal I'm not talking about personalities where we have to learn how to have a relationship cuz that's different. Some people emulate what they've seen or some people have don't know how to have a relationship so they have to learn how to have a relationship and build a home. That's one thing. But when you're going into a relationship and and you've probably heard this where some women say it was it was wonderful and I dated and we dated and it was and then I don't know what happened. The date after I got married, he just changed.
1: Yes, I hear it and,
2: all the time. And it's very confusing. And 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 then we begin to tell ourselves oh I mean, you know, make excuses for, you know, all of these things. But I I personally uh uh I don't tell anybody to get a go. You need to go get a divorce, girl. But what I will say is okay. Let's sit down and let's really look at this and really see and understand what is happening here. If your life is threatened and your life is on the line, mm mm. Mm -mm. Now, the way I. um, Go ahead.
1: Yeah, the way I approach it, when when I work with with, uh, people, is I really look at uh, self love and uh, self care. And, yes. you know, when I help people to kind of look at their level of, of self-esteem, because when you're in a uh, an abusive relationship, your self-esteem will suffer. And you yes. begin to accept more and more, and you lose more and more of yourself. So before yes. people can begin to to move or leave, they have to really take a look at where they are in their self-esteem, so so I, yeah. I look at it um, as a self-care uh, self-care session or very yeah. session help to improve self-esteem. Look at self-care and how God wants us to take care of ourselves. You know, we're in an abusive relationship. You know, God does not desire that you be battered. You yeah. know says I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly but when you are in a situation where you're not living an abundant life because you're you're being battered and you're you're not able to have peace then that's a situation where there's a lack of self-love and so we need to really teach people how to begin to care for themselves and many times caring for yourself means saying no setting boundaries and if yes. you're respect those boundaries, then it's time to make some decisions about whether you can coexist with those individuals. And I always say that, you know, we always pounce on you know, these sins and, you know, what God forgives Mm and what God can't forgive. So if a person is struggling with, you know well, I really want a divorce, but I don't know, you know, if that's uh, something that God can forgive me of God can forgive uh, from divorce. And, you know, yeah. people use that to uh, assuage some guilt over the individual who decided to leave or, you know, if the person filed for divorce. And, you know, so the enemy can use that to create uh, false guilt yeah. and cause them to stay bound and to stay in oppressive and to stay in violent uh, situations. So God forgives divorce as well.
2: Yes, and that's very important for people to know um even as I coach folks who are uh separ- you know newly separated or newly divorced and they're de- dealing with the devastation uh if the basis of their of their belief system is christianity um and, and a lot of times they feel like you know my church abandoned me. Or the people in my church, you know, they don't believe in that, and so, you know, they've turned their back on me, or I'm so ashamed, or I'm so alone, or I don't, you know, have anyone because of, you know, the decision uh, that I made. And and that uh, in in itself, you know, in addition to the loss of the marriage uh the loss of the community and, and uh the people uh that you've been so connected to can also be devastating. And and overall it is important to just know that God loves you, God uh uh cares about uh us so much. Uh, it is not his will that any of us should perish for any uh reason um and and Dr. Rose, I find myself now more and more you know just talking about relationships and um, really conveying even through premarital uh, uh uh counseling or sessions or discussions um that before you can even get to the altar to get married, um, sometimes it takes individual counseling to delve into your background and your psyche and your understanding of what a relationship is, or if you've experienced things in your life that you need to work through before you can even go to marriage counseling. There may be relationship counseling that may be necessary just to help work through a relationship. What is a healthy relationship? Once we get the foundation built for that, now let's go on to now marriage counseling because now that's a different dynamic. And what does that, so it's a lot of work involved. And I think prevention, if we did more prevention instead of allowing, oh, I'm in love, oh, yes, we want to go get married, marry us right now, preacher, <laughs> or judge, and, and, and really sit back and say, well, you know what, let's put the brakes on this for a few minutes, and let's mm-hmm. really try to talk about some things and get some understanding, and then... Once we get understanding, the Bible says, in all that getting, get understanding. Sure. So that go into something you understand, you know, and then you can build not a house of straw, not um. a house of wood, but you can build that brick house and it can stand firm on a good foundation. And, and and your lives both individually and collectively collectively, can be the manifestation of the purpose of God.
1: Dr. Patty, as you are talking, um, my, my, my thoughts are just going a mile a minute, but you talked about... We're
2: going to be out of time.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. But this is such a powerful topic that we really need to talk about. But you said people don't really know what a healthy relationship is. Oh, that... Is so true. You know, I do a lot of work with, with couples, and, you know, I hear a lot of stories, and I, I see, you know, people's past and things that they have been exposed to, and the truth is so many of us don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. So what I've been uh, teaching, I've been teaching what's called emotional intelligence. You know, mm. I A couple weeks ago Emotional intelligence 101 So the components of emotional intelligence First is How aware of you Are you of your own emotions You know some people Emotion they can express is anger You know they are not in touch With some other uh, Emotions some other core Emotions that they are Experiencing so therefore many people Just erupt into violence Because they're not aware You know, then the second component of of emotional intelligence is how do you manage your emotions? You know, do you know how to self-soothe?
2: You Mm. know, do you
1: know how to express what you're feeling without being violent, without, you know, getting angry? Can you have a healthy conversation? Can you agree to disagree? Does it always have to be your way or the highway? So, you know, emotional uh, uh, intelligence. And then another component is Empathy. How, how yes. well are you able to empathize with your partner, recognize what he or she is feeling, to be able to uh, validate their experiences and to, to hear where they are so, therefore, you can respond with greater empathy? And there's a research uh based on how to help people have healthy marriages. But the first component that people have to have, if you want to have a healthy marriage, is you have to have emotional intelligence. So that's yep. another show yep. altogether. But, yep.
2: uh, <laughs> and that goes along, you know, just those three things that you have mentioned go can go such a long way if we take the time. To sit down and do the work
1: Work That's it you have to do the work You know so People can heal With you know A strong relationship You know with God People can heal With psychotherapy And people can Begin to accept Responsibility Begin to look at themselves you know the yes. the story about uh, Jonathan and I'm not sorry Nathan and David how there were behaviors that David didn't even know he was capable of doing and you know when Nathan brought it to his attention you know of his sins his own behaviors you know he asked God to you know teach me wisdom in the inward
2: part yes. so yes. he.
1: He did not reject it. No, that's not me. It's you. It's someone else. No. Once God brings truth, we have to receive it. We have to hear it. You know, because the African proverb says, He who conceals his disease cannot expect to be cured. Mm. So once truth is brought to you, once you're made aware of your behaviors, your actions, Receive it, accept it, and that's when God yeah. can begin to change you. So I do believe, you know, that those who are uh, perpetrators of domestic violence, if you submit your ways to Christ, if you uh, acknowledge your behaviors, be able to receive uh, wisdom and input. You know that, and if and yeah. if you need, to engage in therapy. Invest in long-term therapy so that you can begin to have some changes uh, on the inside as well as on the outside.
2: Yeah. Be- Amen. You know, God is so good, and He's and He's so awesome, and I, I'm so glad that you know we could just have the opportunity to bring this to light and to bring it to forefront. Um, because you know these 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 yokes need to be broken and destroyed and people are in bondage and don't know what to do or where to go and what to say and and but you can have a voice god has given us uh uh the ability to get help uh and it's there and available to receive it and as you said um, when you come into the realization and understanding, uh, accept responsibility uh, for you and accountability for you, and then begin to uh, uh, seek out how can I get help, uh, what can I do uh, to get better or to work on these things, and that's so important. Amen.
1: And before we close, um, Dr. Patty, if if people want to reach you or if they want to get more information on, on the work that you're doing, um how can they reach you?
2: They can uh, go simply to my website at ww dot cares and that's doctor P A T T Y C A R E S cares dot com um or they can uh reach me at x two. 888-6572, and that's uh, the number uh, to our office at the Midlife Resource Center.
1: Amen. Thank you so much. So we're going to close out this segment. Uh, so I want to thank you so much, uh, Dr. Patty, for just uh, shedding some knowledge on this topic. Um, but I also want to remind my listeners for Those of you who might be experiencing domestic violence, if you know of someone uh, who who might need uh, some help, uh, you can give me a call at uh, Totally Whole. The the telephone number is 410-728-1800. My office is at 1701 Madison Avenue, Suite 500. And you can also um, visit my website at uh, PC which stands for Pastoral Counseling Services. So that's totallywholepc.com. So thank you so much. And um, as always, we know that God desires that we just not stop at being healed, but he wants us to be whole, totally whole, nothing missing and nothing broken. So tune in again uh, next week where we will have another dynamic topic. Um, we're going to talk about uh, anger Why are people so angry? You know, we look at what's happening in our community, in the world of politics. uh, Anger is running rampant. So listen in next week as I talk about anger and anger management. So uh, before we close, I want to just ask if there's anyone who has a question, uh, because I remember last week we just talked and didn't get a chance to entertain questions. So if you have a question or comment, just hit one. Um, and we will be able to uh, entertain your question or your comment. Is there anyone who would like to uh, ask a question or make a comment? Okay. I don't think there's anyone. So we, we're going to close out this segment and uh, stay tuned for our general promo. So thank you so much, Dr. Patty, and we'll be in touch. and okay. Hopefully we'll Absolutely. have you again uh, to share with us.
2: Anytime, anytime. Thank you so much, Dr. Rose.
0: Welcome to the Family Healing Circle where we heal the mind, body, and soul. Join us every Monday for Totally Whole with Dr. Rosemary Cook and Pastor Bridget as they discuss issues related to spirituality and mental health with emphasis on wholeness of mind, body, and spirit. Get your money right Tuesdays on Money Matters with Chastity A. Wells. This show is the tool you need to develop a healthy relationship with your money and financial legacy. Every Thursday is a treat as we mix it up. On the first Thursday of the month, it's Total Empowerment with Angela Hart, where beauty and strength is enhanced inside and out. The second Thursday of the month is Relationship Talk on One Love, One Connection, One Up. With Rev. Arlene Kahat and Harvey L. Bailey. As they give you practical advice for creating a spiritual union. To have the relationship you want. Call in with your relationship question. Calling all brothers. On the third Thursday of the month. It's the Sacred Masculine Show. With Rev. Jamel Gilliam. It's a show for spiritual brothers and the women who love them. When there is a fourth Thursday in the month. We have the Healing Paradigm. With Reverend Arlene Cahet Healing the mind, body, and spirit Through changing viewpoints Every Friday Let's talk love, sex, and nutrition With sexual wellness coach Bondria Walters And sex enthusiast Lana, The hottest sexual health and wellness And nutrition show around This is for the grown and sexy Listen at your own risk If you don't know Now you know The Family Healing Circle on Blog Talk Radio, 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. It's the best in entertainment, education, and talk radio.
1: Where you at? Little boy. You, you keep on getting stuck in this room. I know you're at. <laughs> Girl, you a crazy little dog. Oh,
0: you keep me amused.
1: Good evening. (laughs) Hey, since I was just sending you a text message.